0: Welcome to Puzzling Company, your home for at home puzzles and mysteries. Here are your hosts, Jared and Zach.
1: What's up, everybody? Jared here from Puzzling Company, and it would be a shame if I did not introduce my co host.
2: Who?
1: You, silly. Oh, uh yeah, it's me, Zach. <laughs> I guess I didn't really introduce you. I guess I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to introduce you, and then you just stared at and me. Just, and I was like, that's me. That's you. We're super excited to be back for another week talking about one of our favorite things in this life, which is at-home puzzles and mysteries. Wow, I would never expect that. I know, really big departure from what we usually talk about here.
2: Yep, welcome to Jared and Zach's gardening podcast. Ooh.
1: That would be not a great podcast. How dare you? I think we would do great. You don't have a garden. They don't know that. (laughs) And my garden is not really a garden. It's overrun with weeds and there's a sunflower. Okay, this is is neither. This is incriminating evidence. This is not great. We're not ever going to talk about gardens unless we run into a dope gardening game, which I'm definitely not opposed to. Agreed. But on today's episode, we're going to be talking about The Conundrum Box, Uh a great subscription series. Hang with us. We'll be right back. Come to Recon. You can come in your pajamas. You can drink whatever you want. You can eat whatever you want. That's what's so great about Recon being at home this year. RealityEscapeCon.com. If you loved hearing from Silvano, from Deckscape, if you loved hearing from Michelle and Yassine from Society of Curiosities, all of these creators are going to be with us talking about some really cool things that they're working through and what's coming in the future. We hope to see you guys at Recon. Welcome back, everybody. Before the break, we did mention today we are talking about the Conundrum Box, which is a great subscription series that we got to dig into actually three different games for our review today, and we are gonna be talking about each one of them. But just so that you know a little bit about what to expect from the Conundrum box, it is very similar and also a little different in a lot of ways. One of the ways that it's very similar is if you've ever played a Deadbolt, a Enigma Fellowship. It follows kind of that same system where you are working through envelopes in a very systematic way in order to get through your puzzling experience. Comes in a very nice quality illustrated box. Um, the way that's a little bit different is I would say majority of the boxes are a little bit longer, require a little more time from you, which we're going to dig into in our middle section today. But what we wanted to do, switch it up a little bit, Zach, and we'll tell you a little bit more about this in a second, is we wanted to talk about overall the Conundrum Box experience, what we really think is its strong point, and what we overall think there's a little room for improvement, and then just dive into talking a little bit more about each game specifically and Zach, why don't you kick us off on that adventure?
2: Yeah, so the first thing we're actually going to discuss is kind of the overall like we had with the entire series of the Conundrum Box that we played. The three games, um, which I'll talk about those three games real quick. Uh, the first one we played was called Tall Tales. The second one we played was called Maui's Curse. And the final one that we played was The Forbidden Temple. So those are the three games. But kind of our overall like with the entire Conundrum Box as a series as, as we played it was the quality and the quantity of puzzles. We actually were very surprised to find how many puzzles were in each game. I started th- taking tally marks. Like I was like, are we is this going to keep going? Yeah, because it, it seems like with the amount of like envelopes you get in each game, which I think is the same in all three, it was the same amount of envelopes, but the amount of puzzles that were in, in each surprised us every time. Because we were kind of worried that it was going to be like, well, maybe only like one or two were in there. It ended up being like some felt like they had like four, some felt like they had three. You know, it it never felt like we opened it up and there was just a puzzle and then it was like, well, this is going to take like 20 minutes. You know, it, it felt like and then even after that, with the amount like how many there were in terms of quantity, the quality was very well done. I'd say in our overall experience, I think a lot of the puzzles we genuinely enjoyed and were made very well with terms of like the, the quality of the product they used to make the
1: the puzzle but then the puzzles felt thoughtful yes. and really played into and all, some of them played really well into the narrative there's gonna be a lot of puzzle content from these three games that go up on our walls mm-hmm. just as like really memorable there's two puzzles in particular one from Maui's Curse and one from Forbidden Temple that I was just giddy they were very I, well done I was downright giddy about and I thought they were super 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 well done and I think that's like that is the high point of these games is if you're looking for a game that has good to great, sometimes like just downright awesome puzzles and you want to do a lot of them conundrum boxes, your go-to box. Yeah. There's a lot of really good ones more so than anything else that we've reviewed. That's the, that's the, where they really hit their stride and their strong point. Um, moving into where we felt like there's a little room for improvement is we felt like the quality of storytelling in all three of the boxes was a little bit of a miss. And Zach, you're more of our narrative guru. Tell us what I mean by quality of storytelling or means of storytelling, I think is another fair way to say what we're trying to talk about.
2: I think the narrative in all three games was very well done in terms of that they were engaging stories that were very much thought out. I think the only issue we really had was that the way you tell a story is almost more important than how the story is actually written. And in this game, they present it to you in two ways. Uh, the general way is that it is read through text, which is what we decided to do. The other way they offer is they do have a version where it is read out through a like a female robot voice. My only issue with that was that I like that it does that so that people don't want to read, just don't have to. Like right. It's, it's a fair, good it's a good option. It's a good option. It's fair. But what it was really lacking is that a lot of these stories were very well done and had really engaging characters, but then you have a like a generic female robot read it with no emotion. You know, so you're you're listening like as an example with Maui's curse. You might be dealing with Maui, right? And he's a, a trickster and a funny guy. And he makes a lot of jokes throughout the game. But then, you know, when you listen to it, it's just, hello, me, it's Maui, you know. And you're kind of, like, disappointed. Or when you're playing, like, Forbidden Temple, it almost feels Indiana Jones-esque. You're trying to go through, like, this ancient Greek uh, temple and you're trying to find this hidden treasure. But, like, that just feels disappointing. It's it's a good option to give people where they don't have to read it, but you could have done more. You know, you could have voice acting. That's hard, too, because I know you could make arguments that, getting voice actors, depending if you want really good ones, costs money. But even in my opinion, just if you had different people just try the voices and they don't have to be perfect, I, I feel like that would be more, it would play better with the narratives if you at least had people with different emotional voice acting or if you have just, just different people say it instead of a generic robot voice because it takes away all the emotion and the impact uh, of your
1: good story. And the immersion, right? We talked yeah. about that. Like, and, and that's the the point I want to reiterate. These are not... Bad stories. No. I actually really like these three games because they aren't prototypical themes yep. that we see all of the time. And we were excited when we got the boxes because we were like, we were talking beforehand, we we're like, oh, what do you think is going to be your favorite? Like, what are you going to really like? But I do 100% agree with you that I think there's a lot more room for the means of storytelling. And we've seen that in a lot of the other games that we've played, some people rely more heavily on reading, less heavy on reading. But in some of our more heavy reading, it's a journal or it's something more engaging. There's opportunities for video. I just see this a lot as the subscription model for storytelling. And I want to see people take some risks in a departure from this because it was not engaging. Agreed. And that was not great because the puzzles... Again, the puzzle quality and quantity was just so great that it felt like if we could have just had a really thoughtful story methodology, this could have been popping. Yeah. This could could have been really, really great. And I think it just comes to show, we're always talking about this, like more often than not, our creators land heavier on one thing, the other, but it's kind of that embodiment and that intersection of both that really takes a game to its highest form, in our opinion, in our opinion. What I want to do now, though, is I want to talk about each game because there is a lot to each game. And I think we would miss out on not discussing each game individually. So we're going to do a quick what game we played, what was really great about it, where it needed a little more work. So the first one that we played was Tall Tales. Zach, what did you really love about it?
2: Yeah, so the thing we really liked about Tall Tales was the puzzle flow and how it kind of really fed into the meta it was really well done. Um, Every puzzle kind of did not spoil any part of it, but just to explain, you were trying to gather up pieces to create like this metal puzzle. So over the entire game, you are acquiring pieces to finish it, which is really fun. Uh, And then, you know, you get the nice payoff at the end that you get to assemble the entire, the entire piece as well as like the flow. It never felt like we were like stuck on a puzzle really long in terms of like for our quality, but it never felt like there was any like, two outlandish puzzles in terms of, like, difficulty. It very much went, like, super, in our opinion, easier to hard. Like, when we got to the end, it actually felt like it it went really well in terms of progression. It was all just very well done.
1: I agree, and that's. I think that's another thing that we should bring up just quickly is these games are very unique because they followed a puzzle difficulty progression of something that uh, akin to climbing up a mountain. Yeah. Right? This They got steeper and more difficult as the game went on. Whereas if you remember our episode where we were talking with the wild optimists, they believe in more of a bell curve method of creating puzzle games where your middle of the game should be your hardest section, your most difficult section of gaming. And then you kind of fall out in an easier ending. So that was really interesting. But I do 100% agree with you where I felt like there was room for improvement on this game. And I felt like this was a perfect example of what we were talking about when we were talking of overall is. I thought this was a super engaging story, but it lost muster because it had a very night at the museum feel, as we were talking about. It lost it lost some gravity because of us having to read it and listen to each other or listen to the, the voice that was reading off the story. And I felt that most in this game. And that's why I wanted to bring it up again is I think, especially with the diversity of characters, right? In this game, you meet Paul Bunyan, some really, you know, famous American tall tales. And I just felt like it was a missed opportunity not to have a Paul Bunyan voice or um, many of the, I don't want to ruin all the characters that are in this, but another voice in there could have been just really fantastic and could have really amplified it. Agreed. What did you like about Maui's curse?
2: Ooh, I'm going to be honest. I think Maui's curse did a lot very well. I enjoyed everything from like the puzzles to the narrative. It just all played well. But if I had to like really narrow it down, I would say it was the creativity of this game in terms of everything. Like the narrative wasn't, was creative with using Maui as well as the kind of other parts. And I don't want to spoil much about the game, but it, it was very well done. The puzzles were creative. It never, there was one puzzle that both me and Jared like that. I think it was the most creative puzzle I've seen in a while. It, it, it was fun. It was dope. It was very
1: fun. I was giddy. I was like, oh, I, I think I, I was Jared like, oh, 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 oh. Yeah. I was like, I think I figured this out. This is so
2: cool. It, it just played well. Like everything, it's almost the perfect example that we want with the rest of the games, as, t- as well as some of the other ones that we've talked about on the show before. It felt like everything just fit together. Like the narrative was well done, you know, and kind of things are fed with it. The puzzle flow with it. Really fed in. It, it was just all really well done. There was I don't think we really had a big negative to this game.
1: No, this was by far our favorite game. Yeah, it's funny though because when we got the first ones, we said, "Oh, you know, what did you think was going to be our favorite?" And we both said the Forbidden Temple. Yeah, Zach's a big lover of Greek history. Loves games that fall with that. Greek and, mythology and, is great. It's cool, and so I, I like it a little too. And so we were like, "Oh, it's probably going to be." Forbidden Temple, number one, will probably be our favorite, then Maui's Curse, and then Tall Tales. And then Maui's Curse surprised us yep. and really kind of took us away. Which I, And I think it's really interesting. Again, if you look at the difficulty ratings on Conundrum's website, this is the easiest game. Yep. I just think there is something pure about a good, simple game. I think it's sometimes harder to create. And you're dead on, Zach, talking about the creativity. I just really liked. The puzzle, the puzzle flow, I don't really have a room for improvement for this game other than to say, like, this was even the most engaging story, in my opinion, too. And again, it could be leveled up by different forms of storytelling. Agreed. Let's talk uh, Forbidden Temple. What did you think was good about Forbidden Temple?
2: Yeah. So I think our favorite thing that we took away from Forbidden Temple was the... There was a lot of really good, tough puzzles. Yes. This game, I felt like more than any of the other ones really off the bat made it more difficult. It still had that nice curve where it definitely felt like it got more difficult as the game went on. But we definitely ran into a few puzzles that made you have to think more than, you know, some of the other ones we had to do.
1: And you definitely feel that curve during the game because as the puzzles go on, they're relying more on information you may have already received or com- a combination of puzzle elements and things were not what they were on first glance. Yeah. It was, it was tough. And, and I liked that, you know, from an advanced puzzles, puzzles, player standpoint, this is a good game. The website even says this, this is a medium to hard game. This is not a first time player game. Yeah. And I appreciated the challenge.
2: Mm-hmm. Agreed.
1: What I would say I didn't like, and I've said this before about other games is this game felt like death by process puzzle. Yeah. And so, and what I mean by that is the pacing of this game was not great. It needed more puzzle diversity in order to keep the game flowing. The reason I think this game does take so long is that it felt like three fourths of the puzzle in this game is you solve the puzzle and then you have to do the puzzle. And that was not uh, enjoyable, even from the, things that we had to cut out and manipulate that took us a long time to process through, or just a lot of the puzzle, if it was decoding or things like that, we found ourselves many times during this game. And I'm I'm thankful for this part, going to the solutions because we knew how to do the puzzle. We just didn't want to take the time to spend 15 to 20 minutes working out um, a decoder or doing this, but it was way too much uh, process puzzle orientation in this game I felt like some of the puzzles could have been reworked to include different types of puzzle types and worked really well. But this was just um, this game just felt like a lot of work is how I would describe it.
2: Yeah. I, the prep for this game definitely took the longest with the cutting out and stuff compared to the other ones, which we'll, I'll make that clear. Um, in all the games, there is some things that you might have to mess with. And, but that was the first game that the cutting out was gigantic. Comparatively, I think in Maui's there's one and it wasn't that big. And I think in Tall Tales there's one. I could be wrong, but both were pretty minor Yes. in terms of like things you had to do outside of like creating the, like the puzzle was already there for you. With Forbidden Temple, there was a lot more. It, we spent like, what, five minutes just cutting, which oh, is yeah. fine. But then like the puzzle itself, like you said, we eventually was just like, we knew what to do and we knew how to solve it, but we really just didn't want to finish the extra work. It felt like too, it felt unnecessary, unfortunately.
1: Right. Because there's a, uh, there's a certain level of, uh, I'll call it a fun curve where enough time spent on a puzzle that, you know, you're doing the right thing. It just isn't fun anymore. Yep. And I felt that multiple times during this game where I said, like the means of puzzle solving. So the first part where you're trying to figure out what the puzzle is and mm-hmm. how to get there is great. Yep. It's fantastic. But then the following work of now just putting inputs and outputs and input and outputs to finally map out your message or whatever you're solving towards, there's just way too much of that in this game. Yeah. Yeah. But overall, uh, for this game, again, I really, these are some of my favorite puzzles I've run into. I loved how much we got to do in each of them. And I think if you're a more of a puzzle person out there, you will really like the conundrum box. It'll be something that you find yourself coming back to and back to again because I really feel like you're going to get your bang for your buck if that's something you're after. If you're more of a narrative person, I think there may be better options out there for you.
2: I will say, though, uh, if you really like very creative narratives, I think you will enjoy these games. I just, I'm just, i hoping maybe... We- that in the future maybe the storytelling gets a little bit better and then i think you would love these games just as much
1: yeah i i I don't think there's not room for improvement here like i think a couple small decisions on the narrative formatting and this thing is like i said this thing's popping this thing could be really really good and i would even say i'd definitely love to come back and try some more just to see what they're doing because there's definitely a good mixture with what they have going on Just a couple tweaks, and it's heading in the right direction, in my opinion. That's going to wrap us up for our first section today. Hang on. We got Puzzles to the People coming at you next.
0: Solve puzzles, write reviews, win prizes. It's time for Puzzles to the People.
2: Hey, do you like immersion? Well, I have the thing for you. If you go to Recon, which is a reality escape convention... Here in August, August 22nd and the 23rd of the year 2021, you could see many things that involve immersion as well as other types of escape from reality, things such as at-home puzzle games, escape rooms, so on and so forth. It's really a great place to kind of learn even more about the industry and kind of see what people are up to, as well as there's some really cool workshops to get more information about it. So if you like those things and you potentially even wanna see us there, because guess what? We do have a panel there and you'll get to see ourselves as well as some other amazing creators. If you like all those things, make sure you guys check out Reality Escape Convention this year, which is August 22nd 23rd of 2021. If you want more information about it, uh, you can just text me. No, just kidding. Don't do that. Um, If you want more information, please go to realityescapecon.com. That is a great place to get even more information. And hopefully I'll see you there. Well, welcome back to Puzzling Company. So we are now in the section that is called Puzzles to the People. In this section, this is kind of a part where Jared changes the format too much. (laughs) I I get, I am shocked every time we get to the section because I don't know what we're going to do. But generally what happens in the section is that this is a time where we discuss things about games. We sometimes do reviews. So we look over people's reviews for the game that we're covering on the show and kind of discussing what we think about the review. If we agree or disagree with it. Uh, We've also done things where we talk about a topic, which I think we'll be doing today, but Well, we've got a topic today. Yes. So, yeah, but we'll be discussing it. Jared generally asks it to me first, and I kind of answer, and then Jared kind of puts
1: his response or rebuttals it, and we kind of just go back and forth. Well, today, Zach, we're talking about game length. Okay. And the effect that that has on you as a consumer, so in terms of what you look for when you're purchasing, Mm -hmm. or in terms of a game player. Do you like a short game? Do you like a long game? What elements help make those things good? Because we have played a wide variety of those things and really experienced a good little variety with what we played with the conundrum box. Mm -hmm. These are not your standard one hour subscriptions and done. They give you a lot more than what I feel like a lot of other subscription boxes are giving in terms of length of time and enjoyment. So I want to start off with you. This is a little more of a preference question. Okay. But if you're out there looking for a game, what are you looking for in terms of length of game?
2: That's interesting. I think generally if you asked me, like if I was at a store and I had to pick, I would say I generally probably go more towards an hour experience more than I do really long games, but it depends. It's hard because we have a very unique situation where we've played everything, you know, but if you're asking me in general, like if I'm playing with friends or I'm, you know, playing by myself, generally things that I can play in a shorter time period is better just because I can set a set aside a certain amount of time and just go, okay, for this hour, I'm going to play it. And I know I can be done with it in that hour or however long it takes me. Right. The games that are a little bit longer, I'm totally fine with as well. I think my only part where it starts becoming more difficult for me to play is if it takes like days. Right. Or if it's an experience, like, you know, we played somewhere, we did it over a weekend where we read all the information over a weekend and then came back. So like, example would be like the messenger and some of those where we you know you get a lot of extra information and get to read through it and then when you come back we kind of like went through all
1: of it together so you're if i'm recapping correctly preference is an hour
2: in generally yes i mean i'll I'll play whatever i mean Jared knows I'll, I'll literally play any length of game but if you're asking me like if i went to a store and picked one and i had to like and i was only preference on time and not like theme or story or puzzle quality i would probably go for more of a shorter why for me generally it ends up being i just want to complete in a time period it it feels more like some of the games i I guess a good better example would be why i wouldn't play a really long game what is a really long game like days so like let's say the the time that it takes is like 12 hours of like playing because i know i can complete it in a certain time period like there's games i'm like okay it's an hour so if I, i pick up like a crate right or i pick up you know um like one of the subscription or like a scarred envelope. I know that I can do it within a time period. It's like, okay, well, it's recommended. It's like an hour, an hour and a half. I'm like, cool. So I know for that hour, I can solve it. My goal is to beat the hour, right? Because you know, I, I want to do better than the hour. That's just <laughs> what it is. I think that's why. It's hard because I really don't have like a big reason other than that. Like, there's no reason I'm like, okay, well, a short time period is better. There's no, I think I just like doing it in a certain time period. I feel like sometimes with the, it feels over, it feels like there's too much sometimes when it when you
1: get presented a game that's like 12 hours. So okay, so I want to make sure that we're understanding this. You're saying you prefer a game that has a shorter time length because you can fit it into your schedule. Yes. Not necessarily like the hour is the perfect amount of time. Correct. So forth and so on. That's really interesting. So would you play a really good 5-minute game? Yeah. If I, in essence, if I handed you like a single escape room style puzzle and said, Hey, you had five minutes to solve this. Like that would be engaging to you. Yeah. I just think it's really interesting, this conversation. And that's why I'm asking all of these questions because on a past episode, if you remember, I asked us to rank the different features in a game, theme, time, cost, all of these different factors that amount to whether or not we would be interested in Mm -hmm. the correct range to purchase these games. Right. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting that you've said it's not necessarily the specific amount of time, but it's the ability of me to frame it within my day that makes it engaging. Yeah. I am. I feel like I'm a weird balance of both. Like I'm super intrigued when someone says this is going to be a 20 hour game. Yeah. I agree. I'm like, what? Like what is in that box? Agreed. That is going to take me 20 hours it feels to get crazy. done. Same thing in like a video game. Like there was a question maybe a month or two ago in the PPP GM group. We were talking about video games. Yeah. And somebody had asked a question about a, a big puzzle game called The Witness. Mm-hmm. And if you know anything about The Witness, it is to complete it like minimum 60 to 80 hours. Yeah. And lot. people hear that and that's either nah, (laughs) that's not for me. Or it's like, yes, yeah, like bring it on. And I just wonder, I'm trying to get to the bottom of what that is. Is there some consistent human to human reason that we have built these games where a majority of them are 90 minutes or less, or are the rarer ones, the one that say like, I'm going to break that cycle. And like you said, like, the messenger or like the labyrinth is coming out that want to fly in the face of the regular stream of 60 to 90 minute games. What are your thoughts on all that?
2: I think I agree. I think the other part I will put as another point, the more I've thought about it is I think engagement. I think it's really hard to keep people engaged after a certain amount of time. So
1: attention span is your argument.
2: Yes. I, I think that's very difficult because that's what I really think of. I'm like, okay, why would I want to play an hour game more than like a five hour game? And if the five hour game is good, but it doesn't hold my attention enough, then I don't want to like, at some point you almost go, well, I don't really want to finish it right now. And then it's that awkward like break, right? While an hour game, it holds my attention the entire time. Generally, unless it just doesn't meet my expectations in every department, right? But yeah, I think attention spans hard to keep, especially with the really long games, unless it's formatted to play that you are supposed to take those breaks, right? Or have time to, you know, consider things or to read. Sure. So like the Messenger, or some of the other games we've played that are like longer, like Root of All Evil, like those games were made for you to have a, a format that it's more open-ended and there's not really a time period. It's just, here's a lot of narrative, read it to get more backstory. And then the puzzles are there to help play with it. But it's, it's at whatever pace you want to do it. It's not like you have an hour to do this. Go.
1: But isn't that also at the intersection of quality? Because I feel like we make exceptions for ourselves in a number of different mediums. When we find something that is truly exceptional. Yeah. Right. Like when, when stranger things first came out, I'll use Mm -hmm. that as an example. I watched the first episode and I was like, I need I need all of this. Like, sure. this is unreal. Like, this is one of the best things I've ever seen, and I needed more of it. So I, I'm, I'm trying to, like, play devil's advocate a little bit here to say, like, it feels like we make these hard time relegations for ourselves on some things, but then we're willing to break them given the content. Am I wrong in saying that time alone is not enough to determine whether or not something is suitable for you?
2: Agreed. I I think time is not enough. It's. I think it's very much not. I think you can play a little bit, just like we said. You know, because we've talked about it before, like all the different elements that make you want to play the game or fit in your schedule, whatever. Right. And time, I think, is definitely a good one, but not the most important. It's definitely like one of the weaker ones in terms of, because I think, like you said, if it was, if it was a very long game, but it really intrigued me the entire way, I wouldn't care. Right. Like I said, and and obviously, know me, I'll play literally anything. I don't care, but. The hard part is that if it if I start losing that intrigueness to play it or that I don't care, then I don't. I instantly drop the four-hour experience. You know, and that's disappointing, right? While like an hour experience, I might still drop it at the 30-minute mark, but I've got farther. So it feels like I need to finish it, is
1: the mm-hmm. other part. So you're arguing that the amount of game that you have perceived yourself through is also going to determine your ability to finish a game. Yeah. It is very interesting how we think about that. In the games that we played today, Conundrum Box, I believe in each box we opened up, there was four envelopes. Yeah, And that kind of is your almost kind of checkpoint yeah. system if we're gonna make like a video game reference here to determine that. But I felt like in Conundrum Box, I was always willing to keep going. I was not expecting this to be as long as it was, but I didn't mind it Yeah, because as we said earlier, the quality and quantity of puzzle was just that good in these games that it just felt like really engaging. And I think that goes back to what I'm saying earlier is, you know, forbidden temple, as I mentioned, was way too process puzzle oriented, but it has one of my favorite puzzles in it that I've seen in a very long time. And that was enough to smart me to say like, let's not play this in two sittings. Like let's, Let's gun this. Let's keep going. Yeah. It just is really intriguing to me why we love and why we pick the things that we pick. Mm -hmm. What else else is on your mind when we're talking about game length? Because this had an interesting intersection in it to where it gave, like a lot of games do, rankings based on how much time you spent in the game. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about rankings like that in relation to game length?
2: I'm not sure. I I always find it interesting how they get that measurement, you know, because I think for conundrums, 90 minutes was expert level. Yes. And then like, I think 100. I think two hours is like intermediate, and then like new people, it's like two to four hours or something. Um, Depending on the game. Correct. Yes. Which obviously I you know I, I say I assume you know when companies do that they probably have a good metric of like what that looks like you know so they get those numbers. In terms of how that makes it feel like me playing it. So like when we opened up and I was like, okay, I think this is going to be like an hour game. And then we read it and it's like, oh, well, experts do it an hour and a half. You know, I was like, oh, okay. And I think the other part about time is the competitiveness of some people to complete it in a time period. It, it, I, and I don't know if that's really like a contribute contributes to why game length matters. But I always do find it intriguing that when I see a timer, my immediate response goes, I'm going to beat it. Well that's
1: because I feel like in games you need an opponent. Yep. And in traditional board games your players that you're playing against are your opponents. But in the world that we cover it is a majority of the time cooperative. We played have played one game where there is competition. Agreed. And that was about it. Maui's Curse had a really interesting take on that where they gave you a lay and if you were the person that got to solve the puzzle, you got to wear the lay.
2: They, uh, they added a competition they aspect. Added, they added again. a competition
1: aspect, and I thought that was pretty cool, even though we didn't partake of that yeah, because I just didn't want to lose again. And I think when we went, I
2: thought about it at the end. I think it would have been another close one, but I think I would have won that one.
1: I didn't even keep track. I was not even thinking about that.
2: The only reason I, I say that when I kept track of it in my head is that we kept – how we generally do puzzles is that we split them. And I think I just did a few more than of them than you did. So I think like, but if you would have known the competition aspect was in play, it would have been different,
1: but it's true that for Zach and I, and I, and I don't think this is true of all of our listeners, but for Zach and I, when you throw out the time challenge, that plays a big role on us. Yeah. And for games that don't, that changes the way that we think and develop game length, how we think about game length. But going back to what I was saying is it almost becomes the opponent of the game more so than solving the puzzles without hints can become the time becomes your opponent. It's the same methodology and format that escape rooms use to drive the business side is, Oh, we're going to do it an hour. And a lot of times I just sit back and think like, where does all this come from? In one of the more recent Reality Escape Pod episodes that we were listening to, uh, David brings up the point in talking and saying like the first escape room in uh, the U.S. was an hour and they charged $28 a person. And that just kind of became it. So I'm wondering about that in our world. Were some of our early adopters going to say, well, this is how we think about game length and it's going to be this? Or was that borrowed from escape rooms because that was all coming out at the same time? I'm just so fascinated by every little intricacy of these games that I'm just wondering where did it all come from? Why do we, why do we think these things? Mm-hmm. And it is very interesting person to person to hear their opinion. Yeah. Some people that we've talked to live for these longer games. We've got the Wilson Wolf affair sitting in our closet right now. We do. And have not been able to open it thus far and do an episode on it because we are terrified that we don't have enough time between episodes to do it. Yeah. That's gonna be a lot. It's going to be a lot. Um, think about Murders by Mail. Yep. How would you put game length on that game? Damn. An episode that we had just a couple episodes ago, or I think that was our last episode. It is so intriguing to me. I just, I, I love the intricacies of all of this different stuff. Any last thoughts about game length and how that impacts us?
2: The fun part, like you said, is learning that everyone has a different measurement of what that is, like what they enjoy and how long that is. So try to find what you like. And that's another great question is figuring out what you do like and why. Cause I think that's a question I can't even answer myself. Right. I brought up points, but it's almost more of an intriguing question to go home later and think about like, why do I genuinely like shorter games and really think out? Because then you could probably find out more about yourself, like why you really enjoy that and find more games that you could possibly fall in love with.
1: I'm going to answer that question on our way out. Okay. Cause I, I do like all different types of games, but I like shorter games because the narrative wraps up yeah. in, in that amount of time. It is a, it's a snack almost mm-hmm. instead of a big three-course meal. And I like that. It is in my ability to wrap my mind around what that's going to cost me in time. And I'm able to perceive where I'm at in the game as well. I like longer games because of the intrigue. Yeah. Because I'm not able to do the very thing that I love about shorter games and I am just wondering if there's going to be something in there that I've just never ever ever seen before because you have created you know the uh the elder scrolls of (laughs) of at home puzzle and mystery games with so much to explore and marinate on and just enjoy
2: yeah and I think the other part too I really enjoy about longer games is that usually narrative takes more of a where storytelling plays a larger role and at least most of it we've played. And I think like, you know, one of my favorite games is still rootable evil, you know, by cracking up mysteries. And that's been really fun getting to talk to Angela about, you know, cause you know, she knows I really like it and I've, she's actually been really nice. She sent me a, or well, someone sent me something very intriguing about of uh, rootable evil. But uh, like you said, it's that intrigue of like, I know it's not done yet, and then it takes a long time, but you eventually do somewhat solve it after a long time. And especially now the more I've been learning new things, my intrigue is even higher now because I know what potentially could happen next, you know, or what's gonna happen down the line.
1: I dig it, I dig it. If you're out there and you're listening, you wanna join in on these conversations, we are gonna have some more opportunities coming up for engagement on this. But in the meantime, if you'd like to start a conversation with us about these games, Find us on social media, add us. We can also be reached at contact at puzzlingcompany.com. And we'd love to have a conversation with you. That's going to wrap us up for Puzzles to the People. Questions for Creators coming at you next.
0: There are some awesome people who make the puzzles we love to solve. This is Questions for Creators.
1: Hey, everybody. Jared here from Puzzling Company. If you are not aware yet, the Recon or the Reality Escape Conference is coming up August 22nd and 23rd. Well, you're saying to me, you can't go. Nobody can actually get there. It's all online this year. So if you're interested in the tabletop world and escape rooms or anything immersive, there's going to be a wide range of awesome speakers, games that you can play, and you can find all the information out about this conference at realityescapecon.com. We're gonna be there doing a session. Definitely come check it out. Recon reality dot Welcome back everybody to puzzling company. We are now in the section for questions for creators. We've got some creators today, Zach. I don't know if you knew that. I I didn't know that. We're really sticking to the name of the segment here. We're, wow. we're doing it. And I don't, as always, I don't want to ruin anything about these wonderful people. So I just want to jump right in. All right. So if you can tell us about yourself, your company, and what you were doing before you started the Conundrum Box.
3: I'm Meredith Vogel. This is my husband, Dan Vogel. We have been married for almost eight years. And we, the, how we got into all of this was um, we got into escape rooms. How many years ago? 2015. By 2015. So we got into escape rooms. And after a couple of years, not even a couple of years, um, after a couple games, yeah. we, we decided we wanted to open our own escape room and it took us about a year and a half to make that happen That's Your city hoops and all that. Yeah. Stuff. And it was a, it was a really interesting and fun experience and also a, um, very difficult and, um, emotional and emotionally heavy experience. Um, owning our own business for the first time, we made some good decisions and we made some bad decisions and, uh, for better or for worse, the business did end up closing after about two years. Two years, yeah. and during that time was the conception of the Conundrum Box. Um, we started developing a an at home game version of one of our um, one of our games, which is called Double Agent, uh, which is actually one of a, a, a version of that ended up being a, a game we put out last summer. And we started developing that game to sell in our store. And then we ended up actually closing before that got to go out. And then we decided, you know, the reason why we got into escape rooms is because we loved the design aspect of it. And we thought, why do we have to stop? We don't need to stop. We had played some of these um, at-home games we had actually, we had bought quite a few of them
4: <laughs> Never had time, <laughs> and
3: didn't have time. <laughs> and so once we were out of the business, we sat down and, um, played quite a few and we said, you know, there is a voice here for us. Um, we don't have the exact same style as all these other games. We have some different ideas. We wanted to incorporate some different aspects of making it an entire game night type of deal with the, um, recipes and the, uh, playlist and um kind of making it more of a complete experience we used
4: to have reading lists but no one liked those so.
3: <laughs> yeah we had we had some uh different ideas that we've and we've one of the things that i like about us is that We always are trying to adapt to what our customer base, you know, walk the line, you know, don't let the customers guide you and tell you what to do, but, um, see what they're, what they're into, what works for them and what doesn't. And if we're spending time and effort on something that they don't like, then we go in a different direction. But yeah, so we played some of these games. I had some wine while we were playing and that's part of how the drink list came out, came about, because I always have to have a, a little extra thing going on while we're playing and um so we said let's let's try it yeah. so that was how we we decided to make Mardi Gras Mystery was our first game and it took us a very long time to make it and <laughs> test it and which is so funny to us now because not to say that it doesn't take us a long time to make a game now but it took us like 6 <laughs> months to make that game and
4: <laughs> yeah. and we didn't and if you were to buy it today in the back stock it's not the same game because we found out that oh we made this huge awesome game and then people didn't they're like this is taking me four days to play and yeah like, oh well
3: there was like 30 puzzles in it 30 dollar game should not be
4: four days so it's now cut down we probably could release like mardi gras two three four maybe uh
3: it could have been a whole series yeah and so that was one of the things that we learned and we adapted was that no, people don't want it to be that long. They want to just have have fun for an hour or two, and we need to figure out how to make that work. So, um, but so then you know, we continued on and we started building our customer base, and then pandemic struck and everything exploded. And then it was hold on by the seat of your pants. And I don't know if you can hear in the background our our little baby, but we had a little pandemic baby as well. So that was another thing in the mix during that. But that's what all led yeah. us to here, where yeah. we are today. To this point.
1: So there seems to be a lot of really good diversity in your box themes. Different boxes go together as sets, there's different series or stories, and you have some that are even independent. What is your mindset behind all that?
4: So originally we were going to do three box series all the time, but it turns out that Cratejoy, which is the back end we use, doesn't allow us to keep track of what box you got. So that went da- down really quick because we got through Sleepy Hollow and Storyteller and uh, we had one month where we made a mistake and sent everyone the same box they got. So we had to you know eat that and send another set of boxes. So um, we quickly made it so that every box you could just pick up, but there was like a continuing story. So we got away from the multi-arc story, although we're probably going to release... St- uh, Sleepy Hollow as kind of a its own separate subscription at one point as uh, as a new kind of uh, to try that again, but everyone's going to know that they come in unbox one. We figured a way to do it, but
3: yeah. But in in the stories that we like, he said it, we kind of imagine about a three box loosely based series yeah. where it's not nothing. The theme can be completely different, but. There is a kind of an overarching sort of something connecting them. And and throughout all of our boxes, we do have a an overarching story with many characters that are intertwined. And you see we have a character that has been appearing since our second box that we have some of our diehard followers are like every month. They're like, where is she? What's going to happen? What's she doing? and <laughs> like we get emails about this and it's it's so, so cool that people are interested in that overarching storyline That um, and, and you can pick up on it um, even if you aren't familiar with our older games. Um, yeah. So, but we think of the games more of in kind of a three box Lucy Bay series and that's kind of what helps us design mm-hmm. the story in a way because it gives us kind of a goal to work toward
4: yeah, I think the the ones we sent you were so we have different characters you play as. I think the one we sent you were three agent boxes. That, that's where that character picked up again. So, like you, I think you had Maui, Tall Tales, and Forbidden Temple, if I remember correctly. So uh, actually, we continued the agent for two more games um, after that. So maybe we'll we'll have to send those to you too. Um, so, <laughs> but
3: one of the the way that we actually choose themes. Oh yeah. Is. Well, Dan is a storyteller, and he, he is, and he loves, uh, he loves to be creative, and we sit there, and we have, we have a list of probably 60 different themes that we, and we'll just be walking, and something will pop into one of our head, and we'll say, oh, this theme, and we'll go write it down, and we kind of look at it, we look at it throughout the year, say, not necessarily what is good for the actual season but we do want things to be kind of seasonal like our next uh our september September box (laughs) is called the harvest festival (laughs) so that's sort of seasonal we try we try to think of things that people would like to play during that time of the year even though we have you know a store where people can buy things all year round but um we just things that come to our head and we we don't like to be too um what is the word we don't want we don't want to be typical we don't want to be predictable we want people to say that's I mean and you know maybe a theme isn't something that turns out that people aren't super into <laughs> I don't know but you don't really know what people are really gonna like especially if it's something that they've never really seen before so we're just like that's interesting to me I really uh, I really want to see that one of the things one of the themes that I think we took the biggest chance on was tall tales we have an international customer base that aren't familiar with those stories in any way. Um, we have no idea. I, I love tall tales and Dan does as well. Like just in general, the concept and I'm like, it's something that I've, I was talking to my mom about the the game when we were designing it and she's like, I don't know what tall tales are. <laughs> and so we took a chance with that theme, I think, but that's actually one of my favorite games that we've made because I just, I, I love the the story concept of it and and the content. So I don't know. We just find things that are interesting to us and say, that'd be a fun game. I'd play a game with that theme. I've never heard of that before. Or I want to put my own spin on this type of theme that's been done a few times. So.
4: yeah, there already are two really good serial killer boxes out there. So we don't need to be a serial killer. And we (laughs) wanted to be more family friendly uh, throughout the themes.
2: I'm afraid of scary things too. So. So an interesting question with, you know, we talk about how much different puzzles are in here. Do you guys ever experience puzzle fatigue, you know, from making so much content for each of the games? And how do you overcome that?
3: I think that we mentioned the word puzzle fatigue in our household on a not daily, (laughs) but maybe hourly basis.
4: (laughs) And uh, the motivation is that we have to feed this little kid here, so uh, <laughs> no. so I better come up with something.
3: Dan uh, is our lead puzzle designer. I mean, we both collaborate on ideas, but he's the one that actually makes well, everything. She does happen. like the
4: seasonal boxes that are out of the su- subscription. That's like her bread and butter. That's she a lot more tactile stuff. Like in the subscription, for it, we can't afford to to custom make s- so much stuff for so many subscriptions. So. You know, I'm more kind of the streamlined for the, for that, but she's the person that kind of will like, oh, can we make this bucket into like six different puzzles in this uh, summertime box, you know? Um, but I mean, that used to be, so when we used to make escape rooms, we'd just go to like thrift stores and be like, that piece of furniture, if I did this, this, and this. So you can't really do that with- It's,
3: pu- it's limiting and un- completely unlimited at the same time to, to be able to make a box because- you can create everything you want if you if you have the ability to do it, but it's also hard. People really want physical things; they want those physical manipulative items. And sometimes the theme just doesn't really lend itself
4: to that. Yeah, we don't want to throw in like keychains just with like a code on stuff, and you know, um, unless it makes sense that, that you're going to get a keychain, you know, uh, or uh, for example, I think we had a, I think we had the magnet in. Uh, and tall tales like well it's like a museum thing you know it's a the, gift shop it's yeah. a gift shop you know but but it's really hard because you get to some boxes where you're like well what can i put in this so the physical aspect um is always kind of the first thing we try to think of we try to think of something that goes in there at least one thing um that's kind of cool like the the shot glass for example we one the to shot do glass
3: the- has been overwhelmingly i think one of people's most loved tactile <laughs> yeah um things and we were really proud of that puzzle
4: yeah
3: um but when it comes to our actual content this is another conversation that we have <laughs> multiple times in our home daily is that puzzle fatigue as a designer and also puzzle fatigue as a player it's really hard to walk the line of how many puzzles how difficult are these puzzles like okay we could have much simpler puzzles but Dan's Dan's mind is a little bit more complicated than some and we really do like multi-step puzzles. And so like with our last, was it last month? The 90s box, I get them all mixed up because we two months do ago. so many. With <laughs> um, the 90s, we were in the design process and Dan comes to me and he goes, I have over 20 puzzles for this game. And I said, you, we need to edit it. And he's like, but they're all really good, Meredith. They're all really good. And I said, I don't care. People are going to be... And we're gonna be spending three days playing this game. They don't want that. We need to make it the idea always has to be fun. And so I'm always trying to rein Dan in because he wants and it's also kind of that um, you know, that imposter syndrome in a little bit of a way of thinking we wanna make sure that our product is great and we want to make sure that people love our product and and we wanna make sure that we're giving them something that's worth spending what our product costs. And we know that there are Yay. other games out there that are not necessarily monthly subscriptions that have some very impressive components to them. And we can't necessarily afford to do that. So we, in some ways, feel like more puzzles sometimes can make up for that. Um, but at the same time, it's a—it's just a fine line to walk. It's a, something we discuss. We, we cut puzzles, we change puzzles for difficulty all the time.
4: You also have, I I guess, as you're designing, you also have certain sets of different kinds of puzzles. I mean, you're always going to have, there's only about six or seven different concepts of what puzzles can be, and you have to find new ways to apply them. And so... I've always tried to like. When's the last time we did a map? Well, maps a bad example because I put a map in everything. He loves maps. I love maps. Dan loves maps. Um, (laughs) If you
3: know Dan, you know that Dan loves maps. (laughs) We have them all over our house. He loves designing them.
4: (laughs) But uh, for example, like uh, like uh, build a number puzzle. I try to only to put one in every hopefully every three months but you know sometimes you you find a different way to do it it's cool and it fits and yeah thematically
3: is very important as well yeah Yeah. we we kind
4: of want you to be doing the you we kind of want you to be doing what you're doing in the story that we've written for you through the puzzles just that's how we designed escape rooms like you never just went into a room and like all right solve the 42 puzzles then get the exit code it was you know this is to get the jewel. The jewel does this, figure out, you know, uh, why you're doing this kind of thing. Yeah. Um,
3: our escape rooms have a lot of puzzles in them as well.
4: <laughs> yeah. They were, they were very popular with enthusiasts. And that, I, that's another example with, uh, with the game, you know, we, we walk a fine line because the people who feed this little baby, uh, by giving us subscriptions are mostly not enthusiasts. So at the same time, We've got to keep an
3: enthusiast, Dan. I feel
4: there's
3: a, there's a, they're enthusiasts for a reason. And they, they wanna, they wanna have fun ultimately. So it's always keeping that at the. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But you have to walk the line of are these experienced puzzle players? (laughs) Yeah. Or have these people, do they even know what they are opening at this moment? Like, was it a gift from somebody random? And they don't even, they've never even seen anything like this before. And we want it to be accessible to those people as well.
4: And I think we spend a lot of time, trying to explain what the game is in the beginning to people who have never played. So we try to lead in with easier puzzles, like number counts and things like that. Um, usually, uh, and then from there, I mean, (laughs) uh, puzzle fatigue is, is a real thing. It's a real problem.
3: Uh, (laughs) And Dan's struggling with some carpal tunnel issues too. So that makes things a little bit difficult for him. So, but yeah, um, it's, it's a,
4: because we're the we're the well I'm the graphic designer too for the whole thing even
1: though I'm not by trade I'm a historian by trade.
3: I so. think that you can put that on your resume now.
4: <laughs>
1: Probably. <graphic> designer. <laughs> so a lot of your games prescribe a longer than average play time. Tell us about that.
4: I think that's part partly because we usually do come up with a lot of puzzles per theme but also I think we realize really quick I, I put a time limit on Mardi Gras, Mr., the very first box. I was like, oh, this is probably a two and a half hour game. And it was a four day game for some people. So um, we realized really quickly that we had too much content. And then um, I think there is one other box. I don't know if we, I'm sure you've done them already, Escape the Crate. And uh, they they prescribe about an hour for their games. And we thought that, you know, we played some of theirs, so we thought that well, maybe we should do that too. But then we realized, um, now we might be going a little deeper than they do normally. So and, and there's nothing nothing to say about bad about Escape the Crate. We, we like Escape the Crate. Yeah, we play them a lot. We, well, we haven't had to play anything for like a couple <laughs> years now. So we thought that we needed a time limit, and then we kind of looked around and said, do we really need a time limit for a puzzle game? I mean, what sets that it's really the escape, you know, escape games that do that. And I think that's why they put one into their own, their game. So at that time we're like, well, some people might want to play with escape game. So we go to our play testers and we have them time themselves with the ones that do the end game. And then Usually it comes out to be, and we consider them experts because they've played our own game so many times that we know that they kind of know our thought process a little bit more. So the expert time is really their, uh, their shortest time. Um, and then I round it to an hour and a half or whatever. So um, and then, so we, we put those time limits on there, but we know people that sit down and they play in multiple sessions. I mean, I don't, I, I would think the majority of our players don't use the time limits. So I think Meredith already said, we, if we don't want anyone to get the game, like, oh, this wasn't worth it, you know? <laughs> and so, so we rather over puzzle you, but, but the thing has been finding like, what's too many puzzles. So people don't be like, oh my gosh. I can't get through these games. I don't want to read anymore. I'm out of here.
3: And you would definitely be able to see that that progression from our first games to where we are now. Mm. We've really streamlined a lot about the actual game flow and game design in that aspect. Um, you know, if we, yeah. we talk about, okay, this is a very complicated puzzle. You know, we need to... It's just like when we were designing for escape rooms. Like, you don't do... hard puzzle hard puzzle hard puzzle you want to
4: balance it around quick wins and then have them think for five minutes Mm -hmm. quick wins have them think for five minutes um and you kind of don't have the same pacing in and one of the because
3: you can't really control because we do have some different ways that you can approach our games right
4: because i can game master an escape room and i can make sure people are doing it on time i mean a good game master who's paying attention is is managing their game is the conductor Mm -hmm. i mean of of the of the, 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 escape room, but uh, we give you this escape room in the box and you're your own conductor, you know? Um, and so one of the other things we had starting out was the way we design actual escape rooms is multi puzzle path. Well, you, we found out, Within six oh. months, you can cannot... first
3: games. You could do like you could do seven or eight, eight puzzles at a time.
4: If you did this, open this envelope. If you did that, <laughs> open
3: and people hated it.
4: Yeah, and we're like, you can't do that in paper form. <laughs> Some
3: people loved it.
4: So what we did do...
3: enthusiasts loved yeah, it. Yeah,
4: enthusiasts <laughs> did. Uh but I mean, like I said, the majority of the people playing aren't enthusiasts. So what we, we had, is, uh, we came up with kind of the solution is that when you open an envelope in our game, you usually can do two to three puzzles at that time. We might not ask you for the answer at that time, but if you have a large group, someone could be figuring out something else, something else. And then when the story asks you, oh, and then you open this gate code with this, what, uh, you know, what's the password? And someone else might have already you know, figured it out in the group. So we tried to keep it so big groups could play. And so if you were just going through by yourself, it was linear at the same time.
3: And another thing about the time that it takes for people to play our games and how we got that time limit is that at the end of each of our games, we have a survey that asks each group, how long did it actually take you to play this game? and we've we've monitored that since the beginning and we have seen as we've made changes we have seen it get down to a more manageable time. We still do have people that come and say this was way too long and then we have people that say I we completed this game in exactly the time frame that you said I was going to. So, you know, it's all, it all it's, it's a lot of it depends on the puzzler, but we I think that we've really toned things down into a, a more fun and manageable time space.
2: Tell us a little bit about the future of Conundrum Box. Kind of what's upcoming. You can tell us as much as you want, as little as you want, but we're very intrigued to know what you have coming up next. Well, well.
3: <laughs> well um, we are still continuing in the Conundrum Box theme um, with our regular subscription. Uh, upcoming, and we've been talking about it and talking about it and talking about it. You know, life throws you curveballs. You know, you get a baby you have a pandemic, all those things. Uh, we are in the process of designing so we can launch a children's, uh, subscription, uh, kids box. Um, we've had a lot of people ask us specifically for that. Um, because when, when I make our seasonal games, they are more designed for, uh, families, it's more tactile. It is a, it is just more of a, a simpler puzzle experience. Um, and families just <sighs> love those. <sighs> Our child has just learned how to growl. So, <laughs> um, we have had a lot of those people reach out to us and say, we really want a kid subscription box. So yeah. that is something we have in the pipeline. We are working on it. <laughs> when it will be, uh, out hopefully in the next six months is when we hope to launch
4: we wanted to do it before christmas i don't think it's going to get done and then at Uh christmas
3: we will have um i think that it among kind of some of our fans especially we have a there's a lot of love for our christmas game uh that i do every year um it's really really time intensive to make um but it's we will be Relaunching that again, it'll be the same game um, as the last two years because it's quite popular. Um, so that's coming up this Christmas. We will have our Christmas game again. Um, and hopefully in this next year, I will be able to get back to doing more of our seasonal boxes. Um, this year we did not, we were not able to do our Valentine's box because we had a one-month-old. We didn't do Um, a new summer box. (laughs) We didn't get to do our summer box. And I I want to my goal is to do as many Halloween. seasonal boxes as, yeah. as we can, because yeah. they're just fun. They're fun for me. We've it's a different a type of creativity that you get to have. Um,
4: we've had a Halloween idea for like three years that we wanted to do. But and we just, <laughs> we still have, we just like, there's it's so much. much
3: time during the I know. that time. Yeah. And you know, that's always, it's, you know, it's getting into, you know, family time and, and all that. And it's, you know, we, we do have this business and we're dedicated to our business, but you have to take concessions for your, your family, personal life as well. So uh, it's, it's hard to juggle it all, especially when you have, it's like, we could fill a bag full of ideas. Um, just so, so many ideas and things that we want to do and achieve.
4: We, we've also been kicking around a more advanced game that maybe we would Kickstarter, uh, with a lot more physical components, uh, like wooden boxes and things like that. especially now that we own part of a laser cutter
3: yeah we have some really great people that yeah, work we, with yeah. us that are really creative they used
4: to make a lot of our escape room props and now now oh. they're like uh for anyone that gets the the newest box the whole there's a whole dinosaur skeleton in it and uh mm. so they mm. cut all that for us and well, well actually you cut I it yeah it.
3: <laughs> 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 uh, i uh, was the one that got to push the button
4: <laughs> <and> I, <laughs> over
3: we have a stack of 3d
4: printers <laughs> that we need to use again uh we kind of outgrew the ability to use 3d printers during the, the pandemics but we're getting back down to where we could probably manage to do things again on those
3: yeah we're learning how to manage our our time yeah. better now that we've been in it <laughs> it came up so quickly we were just holding on and now we're kind of figuring out how to to really control it
4: so i i'd mentioned that we're probably going to launch sleepy hollow as kind of a limited series six box subscription either you can buy the whole six box or we'll put it up through Cratejoy as well people
3: really really want sleepy hollow we had like five
4: emails a a week about sleepy hollow but it was
3: it was just like mardi gras it was it was difficult and it was a lot of content and um
4: and it's not linear so i i don't want to just throw it back out in the woods it's it's the only one we've never restocked either well it's
3: there's a few components in it that have to be redesigned because they're incredibly incredibly time intensive to make and that was fine when we had 60 subscriptions yeah we can
4: we can can give away the one that won't go back in there was a net and meredith would take and we had little pieces of colored tape with uh letters on them and meredith 13
3: of them yeah 13 of them on
4: every part of the net and then you'd get you'd open this net and then you'd have to de-scramble some words and it took her 30 minutes a net easily. Um, so we can't be, uh, you know, donning nets for, <laughs> for hundreds of subscriptions.
1: And finally, what are you playing? What else are you really enjoying in any different medium that you want to go? Uh,
4: Honestly,
3: the things that we have played are the, the right. things that, people are really loving right now like society of curiosities is one of our enigma kind of fellowships uh, we just really love uh, them Hanks, of course um we it has been kind of difficult the thing actually that i am the most excited to play and yes atticus is excited about it too um dan just got it for me facebook marketing got me uh, it is um brooklyn nine clue <laughs> so not in this realm at all but it is a board game clue is my all-time favorite board game i love the deductive reasoning and when i saw that and the premise of it is one of brooklyn 99 is one of our favorite shows actually we we got into it during the pandemic and so i'm so excited to play i'm gonna we're gonna have a whole party
1: we just want to say thank you so much for being on the show it was a blast to have you. you We look forward to connecting and getting to engage more with the material and the different projects that you have coming out in the future. Yep, That is going to wrap us up for today. If you're interested in playing the Conundrum Box, you can go to theconundrumbox.com and check out all of the different games that they have. And I must admit, they have quite a variety of games to choose from. They do. So pick something that you like. For Zach and I, you can help us out a couple of ways. A great thing that you could do is you could go over to your Apple, Spotify, wherever, and leave us a five-star review saying that you really enjoy spending time with us. Also, another great thing would be to put us on a consistent download or subscription schedule. That would be amazing. Or hit us up. We'd love to hear from you. That would just be a fantastic way that you can find us. Zach, what do we have going on next week? You know, I actually have been...
2: I don't know if you know this, but I have been, you know, working with NASA lately, you know, and kind of just getting
1: kind of built up to go to space. That's pretty cool. Do you know Elon Musk?
2: Uh, You know, we're best friends now. It's not a big deal.
1: And why haven't we had him on
2: the show yet? That's for a future date. But uh, to go on to what we're going to be playing next, um, I'm going to be joining the Space Corps.
1: And we're, we're
2: going to be uh, going into that and playing out space court and see how that goes.
1: Yeah. This is a really cool game that was developed by Trapology and it's a, originally a, an escape room company based out of Boston. Mm-hmm. And we're super excited that they developed a play at home game, especially around space. I love a good space theme. Yep. We're, I'm very excited about this, but they're going to round out the month for us next week, but hopefully we'll come back and we'll see you guys then. Yep. That's going to wrap us up this week for puzzling company. For Jared and Zach, we'll see you next week. See you guys.
0: Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Puzzling Company and online at puzzlingcompany.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep puzzling.
4: This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.